Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back for episode 20 of the Believe in Padres Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. San Diego's number one sports podcast network. Wade's back. That's Wade's voice. How you doing, Wade? Doing great. You've been kind of in and out the last couple of weeks. Been, you know, busy. You you missed a couple of interviews. You, yeah. list, you listened to the show Some while you were ones. gone? I did listen. Wow, upset. I know, right? Had Kyle Glazer from Baseball America. Had Ben Chase from Prospects Live. Pretty good guests. And... I guess we, we've got you back with no guest. We're, we're working on a guest for next week, so hopefully you can be there for that. Should be a great guest if we get him. Ooh, yeah, teaser. Big get. On today's show, uh, well, we're not going to do on today's show. We're just going to get right into the show today. And by get into the show, I mean the, the topic that's number one in everyone's minds is the new uniforms. So Love them. The subsequent new rebranding of the Padres. Um, I think it's been the biggest thing to hit the Padres. Did I make this case on the show before? It's the biggest thing for the Padres since they moved into Petco. False. Okay. Well, that's my, that's been my opinion. And I think it holds up because even when Machado signed, we didn't see the kind of fanfare we saw around this event. I heard they were giving out free booze at Petco. Damn. Why didn't we go? I know we should have been there. Is that my phone vibrating? That is. That should be a fine. Uh, silence that white you want to on you. Thanks. Do you have any white claw? We need to have just white claws stocked in here. Can we get them as a sponsor? Maybe brought to you by white claw. Yeah. Maybe just mango brought to you by white claw mango. Yeah. Let's have our people, people <laughs> talk to their people. Uh, what'd you think of the uniforms? Cause that's, I mean, that supersedes any prospect news, which there isn't a lot of these days. It's November. So uniforms go. I love them. My favorite is the road pinstripe uni no it's not you you told me it was the brown yeah no the road pinstripe that's my favorite the grayish brownish whatever color that is that one why don't we just why don't we call it padres tan what do you want sand i don't know it's not true sand because the last sand uniform was very sandy yeah the brian giles era one which was in retrospect hideous I, i respect the the play but it was not a good jersey yeah no the brown pinstripes are sick what are we gonna call that color Padres brown? I don't know. It's not Padres. Padres brown is like that dark chocolatey color that they wear. Dark brown? We'll work on it. We'll workshop that. Anyway, that's my that's my favorite too. The white pinstripe is great, but some notes from the the unveiling. One, there's no alternate home uniform. So they're going to be wearing white all the effing time. Well, no. They can wear that brown one at home too. I they're think not, it's just permanent alternate. I don't think they're going to. Isn't that the primary road? They said the brown was the primary road. Oh, Not- I thought the pinstripe was the primary road. I think we're off here. This is confusing. <laughs> we haven't talked about this. But it's confusing because technically they're both brown. So when I heard the brown is the the, the, the road. solid brown with no pinstripes is the alternate. That's why that confused me. Because someone told me when they first came out that that was the primary road, the brown. I don't think that's the case. I hope not because I, I love the gray with the pinstripes. But the brown one, I don't like that it says San Diego. I wish it said Padres or I wish it was just the SD uh, intertwined logo in the upper – in the Chestel corner. Would you have would you have ever seen one of those? Because that was my opinion on it. It should have said Padres, like the 98-type Padres over that. Yeah, or the the one that they've been wearing on Wednesdays. Yeah. Or fr- no, the Friday homes. Yeah. Right. I like I liked those. 
Do you, are they still going to do like way back Wednesdays and stuff, or do you think they're over that? No, I think every team still does that. They they have a throwback night every like every, literally every team does those. So we'll still do like the ninety eight pinstripes on Wednesdays. I hope I hope it's the ninety eight. I could see them changing it. You never know. They might do seventies or the eight the eighties one. I mean, blue's a throwback now. Oh, that blue that like, those the, the same ninety eight set the blue one. What if they went back throwback like to the sand one? I'd rather see the whites. No, we're not throwing back. Get out of here. Um, and no alternate hat, which I thought was interesting. It's going to be the same hat across the board, which they did on purpose. They made a real conscious decision to say, hey, this is our hat. We're wearing it for every game. This is the Padres brand. We're not going to get cute with it, which I kind of respect. But I would have liked to have seen that same with the, the Friday brown that they currently wear. They have that brown and yellow hat with the yellow front. Do you know what I mean? With the oh, the, the brown. One. What? The yellow panel one? Yeah, it's it's the brown hat with the yellow panel in the front with the SD in brown on the front. I got to get a new hat. But that's a good hat. It's kind of a throwbackish hat with kind of a fresh take, a, a modern flair. And I, I wish they had done something kind of like that. It's just an alternate hat that they can wear once in a while. Yeah. But the hat's great. I'm not going to complain about the hat that they have. We got to get some. I think the color is good. I like the, I like the goldness of the yellow. I think it's a really good color choice by whoever picked that. And the new font type, which is slightly different, but even side by side, I can barely tell the difference. Have, did you notice they picked a new font? Did not even notice. They like switched the little flares at the ends of the, C, the S and the D to like, I think they flattened it a little bit. Um, they made the S and the D fit better together. I don't know what they did, but they did something and whatever it did, it's a great hat. And the uniform unveiling was a complete success. I'm just not... I'm like 85% satisfied. Do you like all three of the guys they brought out there? What do you think? Would you have who would you have replaced Hosmer with? <laughs> Four-time Gold Glove award winner Eric Hosmer. I well you have to have Hosmer cuz he's the veteran leader. Or do you go Paddock instead of Hosmer? That I would I in a perfect world where I get everything that I want and no one's feelings are hurt, I would have picked Paddock cuz I think he would have been more fun, but I understand why they had to pick Hosmer. He's he's the oldest guy on the. They gave him a ton of money. He's the veteran. Like this is his job. This is what he's supposed to do. Supposed to recruit. Face the franchise. He's the recruiter. Yeah. So, I mean, if if this decision was up to you and the Potter said, "Hey, Wade, pick three guys. These are the same. These are the three guys you would have come up with, right?" What about Hedges? Dreamy. If he won a Gold Glove this year. True. Just pick the hottest guys. Yeah. Is Hosmer not hot? Machado is not. Machado's weird looking. Yeah. His ears stick out like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. They're, it's bad. Anyway, uniforms are fire. They, I think they just vaulted to the top of the, uni- the top uniforms in the National League. And that trending on Twitter, I mean, throughout the country, I don't think anyone has anything. They're going to get a ton of attention. I can't wait for the first nationally televised game where guy, John Smoltz is drooling over the uniforms. Start seeing Padres jerseys and rap videos again. Well, we see those brown and yellow uh, jerseys they gave away for the All-Star game. Those are everywhere. Yep. Let's move it on to roster issues, which are happening in the winter. It's, it's November, so there's not a lot going on. But as we discussed before, winter meetings are next month, and they're right here in our own backyard. We said they're at the Hilton Bayfront. Yep. Or I always get the Hilton Bayfront mixed with the, the Hyatt. Not the Hyatt. The Hyatt's it's, too old now. It's the, didn't they have it there last time? I thought it was at the Hilton as well. See, this is my problem. I always or was get... it at the Omni last time? No. No, not the Omni. 
It could be at the Omni. I don't think the Omni is big enough. They don't, probably don't have the conference space. I don't know, that fourth floor, there's some conference space there. Yeah, it's, it's pretty big. But it's such an event. It's like the Hyatt is nice because it has the two hotels right next to each other. But I think it's, it's at the Hilton, isn't it? It is. At okay, the it's at the Hilton. Anyway, it used to be a really big time for free agency and trades in recent years. But lately, the last couple of years, we're seeing a total shift in when players are signing and when players are getting traded. So I don't expect much to change. Um I'm guessing there's probably some really small and exciting deals that happen, if any happen at all. So the real thing that's going to be occurring during the winter meetings that's of interest to me, at least, is the Rule 5 draft. And the Rule 5 is usually fun, I think, for about a day. The players involved are rarely impact players that are being lost by a team or being signed by a team. And they rarely even stay with the club. They're usually cut because it's really hard to stay on a 25-man roster all year. But in the Padres' case, think Alan Cordoba, your boy. We had a couple years ago. I think he was from St. Louis. He stayed on the roster all year, and he's been playing in Lake Elsinore lately. Luis Torrens uh, from the Yankees. Those were both Rule 5 guys that stuck with the team all year, and the Padres were able to retain their rights. Torrens turned into a pretty viable catching prospect. Great little season. Not even just that, but he's like a candidate for a backup catcher's position, I think, this year. Yeah. Uh, you, you hear a lot of things about hedges in the news where, look, everybody still loves his defense. He gets – he's not forgotten for his defense anymore. People all know how good a defender he is, and it's pretty embarrassing, I think, by Major League to not give him the Gold Glove Award when he was so head and shoulders above anyone else at the catcher's position defensively. Defensive runs added, he was like, I think, 26, and the next best catcher was 19. Like was it, I think he was even – Further than that. It was whatever it was, it wasn't he's in his own tier. It's yeah. not even close. I think he was like ten ten or more above. And as season. much as Hedges bothers me, it's kinda of disgusting he didn't win the gold glove award. It's not the gold glove award. It's the gold well he I don't know, what well he's, he's handsome too. He's gotta to hit a few more home runs, I guess. That's all that matters. Yep. Uh where was I? Um so this year's a little different because the Padres are competing, so I kinda of don't anticipate them trying to roster one of these jabronis on the 26 man. Yeah, I don't see them getting anybody. It's just. I think last year they traded for like three guys, didn't they? And I've already forgotten who they all were. I didn't bother to go look them up because who cares? Did any, and none of them stuck. No. That's what generally happens with the Rule 5. Uh, do you want? Do we need a Rule 5 refresher before we get into the Rule 5 more? I think the fans know. Do we trust the fans? I mean, Migs for sure doesn't. No. So this is for Migs. Players signed at the age of 18 must be added to the 40-man roster within five seasons of their signing. So does that make sense? Yeah. And players that are 19 years old when they're either drafted or signed uh, get four years. And then if you're not on a 40-man roster by that time, the whole rule is to make sure that teams are not hoarding loads and loads of talent that are – have been in the organization for many years and have no hope of cracking the roster. So teams can't hoard talent. Right. It makes sense, right? So players that are eligible, uh, that are not protected by their teams on the 40-man roster are all eligible to be drafted by any major league. Cl- the, the, the draft takes place reverse order like any other draft of, of your standings from the year before. And when you pick a player, if you pick a player – 
you sign them for $100,000 and they have to stay on your 26-man roster the entire year or they're offered back to their former team for $50,000 or they become free agents. That's kind of how that works. Right. Or if they clear waivers, you can send them to the Myers. Yeah, or any other team. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the Rule 5 in a nutshell. People forget the the, the – First year player draft, Major League Baseball is actually the Rule Four draft. So that's what this is. The, that was the Rule Four. This is the Rule Five. I had no idea there was a Rule Four draft. Yeah, that's the Rule Four. It's all part of the how they account for them in the MLB rule book, and like they they'll have technical names. And I don't know why we call the Rule Five the Rule Five, and the Rule Four is actually the first year player draft. But whatever. So anyway, uh, interesting players that are available this year who the Padres are going to have to either protect or just let go. There's two according to MLB.com, that are in our top 30, they are Buddy Reed and Estiri Ruiz. So Estiri Ruiz has been a really interesting guy. He came over from Kansas City in the deal for... It was, a, it was part of this Trevor Cahill, Brandon Maurer, Ryan Buchter deal to the Royals, and the Padres got Travis Wood and Matt Strom and Estiri Ruiz. Just a lot of trash in that trade. Yeah, just... Padres sending trash to Kansas City and Kansas City sending a lot of trash back to San Diego. Yeah. Although, do we like Matt Strom in the bullpen this year? He's, he's shown he's shown flashes. He can be okay in the bullpen, but he can only be in the bullpen. I thought I was going to like him as a starter, and it, it looks like he's not going to hold up as a starter. South Dakota or North Dakota? I'm going to say North Dakota. Okay. I think if you're from a Dakota, I feel like most people are from North Dakota. Yeah, you don't hear many people from South Dakota. No one's from South Dakota. Although the Mount Rushmore is in South Dakota. True. Capital? Pierre. Really? North Dakota? Capital? Bismarck. Wow. Look at me flexing my uh, Dakota knowledge. Can't that just be one state? Why are there two Dakotas? No opinion on that? Yeah, I don't know. Never (laughs) been there. Probably never will. We're going to fact check Matt Strom place of birth west fargo north dakota great movie west fargo was Fargo. underrated did you see the show oh yeah i love the show i didn't watch the show it's very good highly recommend there's too many good shows uh, this is what i hate about the golden age of tv that we're in i can't watch 50 shows there's there's 50 good shows out right now i can't watch them all it's impossible landry from friday night lights didn't watch Friday Night Lights. What? Not one second. Get the fuck out of <laughs> I didn't watch one second of that show. Best shows of all time. Blue Mountain State? Never watched. I didn't watch, watch it either. Okay. <laughs> I'm not a big, like, high school football show. I didn't play high school football. Like, why do I care about your high school football show? Cool. You drink and you have teenage sex. Like, great. Your, no, te- your so team went 8 0. There's so much more to Friday. Eight man football. Sweet. Clear eyes. Full heart. Disgusting. Can't Who cares? Where were we? So Buddy Reed, I, w- I don't think anybody would mind if Buddy Reed got picked up by someone. Would you care? No, but I think he definitely will get picked up. I think he has to because the draft isn't super deep. And Buddy Reed has shown flashes, especially the last couple of years. I mean, coming out of Florida, athlete, not a baseball player first, athlete first. Uh, ooh, plug for athletes first. But he's never Murder. been – he didn't listen to the show. He didn't get any of that last week nope. or two weeks ago. But – Buddy Reed, I'm not worried about losing Buddy Reed. I don't think he's a long-term option in any outfield. I think he's a fourth outfielder at best. And I think that fourth outfielder is emphasis on defense and he's like a late inning substitute. Like, right, I don't... Like pinch runner. Yeah, I don't, I don't see Buddy Reed becoming anything. 
Esteri Ruiz is a little more tricky, I think. He's just been around for so long that you forget how young he is. He, let's see. He, he's a four-year he, college player, though. He's not that young. Oh, I'm talking about Esteri Ruiz. Oh, okay. Yeah, Buddy Reed's old as shit. Yeah. He's like our age now. Right. <laughs> uh, no. Not yet, but he'll, he's catching up. Esteri Ruiz has been, in, he was in the Royal system at 17. So he's been around forever. He's he's going to be 21 this offseason. So he'll be 21 before he even gets picked in this Rule 5, assuming he gets unpro- left unprotected by the Padres. Um, Padres have a ton of roster moves to make this offseason, either trades or free agency. Um, Can we trade them before the Rule 5 happens? I want to say I, – I actually don't know. I was going to say I think yes, but if you could, then – They'd, you would just assume they get protected, right? Because why would the team trade for them if they're not going to protect them? Yeah. So I don't know. That's a good question. We'll have to ask someone. I don't know who. Ask Ben Chase. Ben Chase knows everything. Do you ever watch? Uh, Stump the Schwab? No, but <laughs> not, bad. not bad. I did watch Stump the Schwab. I love Stump the Schwab. Why don't they bring Stump the Schwab back? ESPN has plenty of programming opportunities for Stump the Schwab. ESPN's struggling. They need that. And they have ESPN Plus now. Like, there's plenty of room to just stick a streaming Schwab. Is Schwab still alive? <sighs> Too soon. Not if he's dead, though. Or not if he's alive. <laughs> um, Is he dead yet? What was I going to ask you? Damn it, Wade. You threw me off with Stump the Schwab. Do you ever watch uh, Pawn Stars? Oh, yeah. Do you know who the Beard of Knowledge is? No. He's like – he works at the Clark County Museum. He wears the red shirt and the top hat and has a really big beard. And Rick always calls him in to, like – check out some weird piece of shit that came into the shop and he's supposed to give historical context for it. Anyway, he just knows everything about everything. And I, I think Ben Chase is very similar to that guy. Okay. Not so much in appearance. Although he's a big guy too. He played uh, football at Minnesota. He was an O-lineman. Minnesota. Yeah. He was, he was pretty stoked the other week when they upset Penn state. Yeah. Getting way off topic here. Asuri Ruiz is going to be tough to let go. Because of his age, he's going to be 21. Um, struggled a little bit in high A this year. Only hit 239. Didn't quite have the same power he had in the past. Uh, didn't run quite as much. But speed is always going to be part of his game, even though he's not like your typical burner. He just he is really good at stolen bases. So a little bit of power, a lot of speed. The hit tool he's got to figure out. And the problem... The reason why I want to hold on to him is because he's so young, but then that's also the same reason why it's going to be difficult to, I don't know, draft him, I guess, if you're another team, is who wants to carry a 21-year-old who's never played above high A, who actually struggled at high A last year, hitting the ball. And where does he play? Second base is an option, although he's kind of been moving around a lot in the Padres organization. He's played some center field. I think he ends up probably either, it depends on the organization he goes to, second base or center field. There's just not a lot of room right now in the Padres. I'm guessing they leave him unprotected and no one picks him up. Yeah. If I had to guess. I can see that. Other guys eligible, Michael Geddes, another one of your boys, first team all prospects. You remembered his name this time. Yeah, I wrote it down. (laughs) Uh, Jorge Oña, who had a really nice bounce back year with the Padres after battling some injuries. He looks like he can really hit, and I would also assume – he gets left unprotected. I don't see him making the 40-man. And I would also assume that no one picks him up. I don't think anyone could carry Jorge Oña the entire season. 
some lesser known guys, Ivan Castillo, that's three guys in a row that made our Padres uh, top prospects, top Padres all, what am I trying to say? The all Padres prospects list, that's, that's yep. the one. Ivan Castillo made it as a second baseman. He's actually a minor league free agent this year. So he could actually get signed first and then be protected on the 40 man. But I also expect him probably to be unprotected. And then he's good. He's just a little older. Uh, had a really good year uh, with the Saudis this year. And Lake Bocker also needs to be protected. He will also be left unprotected. And I don't anticipate anyone signing him either. So a much ado about nothing, as they say. So they haven't. teams have until November 20th to decide who they're going to protect on the 40-man. And we'll know probably more about the intentions of what Preller's going to do this offseason, depending on who he decides to protect. But I'm thinking there's going to be plenty of roster spots available He's not going to protect many of these guys. All the big name guys that need protecting are like Edward Olivares is already protected and Anderson Espinosa is already protected. The big guys next year are from that 2016 international free, uh, free agency class. Right, next year's the year we actually really have to worry about the Rule 5. A, a ton of those guys. We're going to, have to make a lot of decisions and yep. possibly make some trades. Yep. Make some trades with some teams that are rebuilding. And you go get some of their veteran talent and you send them some of these guys who are Rule 5 eligible next year and they, they can carry them on their 40-man roster, no problem. I'm thinking Gabriel Arias is a really good candidate to get traded this offseason. As good as he is, and we I talked about him with uh, Benjamin Chase last week. He loves Gabriel Arias defensively. Really, not really a spot for him on the Padres roster. No, I don't see how there could be a spot unless you transition him to second base. But then you're kind of or wasting – well, third with i mean he, yeah he could play third but what do you do with manny machado if like he's nowhere else for machado to play yeah, true so that's what he just it's not a bad thing to have so many good young players and it's just it's gonna be a little tough to trade someone of his caliber he's got the arm for third or short you can't waste it at second base uh center field's gonna be tough because cj abrams knocking on the door also and he's gonna be the center fielder of the future so I think he's a really good trade candidate, and it, it sucks when you have all these good prospects that you grow attached to over the years. Like you draft them, you sign them through international free agency. They're kind of your your babies, and then you're forced to it, – it's like planting an avocado tree. Why avocado? We're in San Diego. Okay. They're, they're expensive. Anyway, you plant the avocado tree. You let it – Millennial podcast. You start to let it grow a little bit. It gets really nice and big and healthy, and other people start to look and say, "Hey, that's a nice looking avocado tree. I'll give you, I'll give you a hundred bucks for that avocado tree." It's like, well, yeah, that's that's a really good price. The tree's probably worth fifty bucks, but I haven't had any avocado from it yet. I, I got the avocado tree because I wanted some avocados, and now you're trying to buy my tree before it's giving me avocados. It's tough because it was your tree. You planted it. You know what I mean? Right. And that's kind of what I'm saying with Arias. You you want to see him come up as a padre and not go to another team and have success. But this is kind of what you have to do when you have so many good young prospects. And we need something now. Need something now. And I, it's going to be very interesting to see what Preller does with the roster. We need pitching. You need catching. You need outfield help. You need a second baseman. I still don't know what they do with second base. You, you can't just give it to Ty France or Luis Arias again because I've heard from around the – from around the team that they've lost kind of, they've kind of lost confidence in Luis Arias. Finally. 
finally. finally come around. I didn't say I had lost faith. I said the team's lost a little bit of faith. I've lost faith day one. I don't know what they do there, but uh, guys who got released from the 40-man. So Robbie Erland's gone. Travis Jankowski's gone. Carl Edwards, Adam Warren, Aaron Loop. And Craig Stammen is a free agent. So I don't know if we even bring Craig Stammen back. I want him back. You do? Yeah. He's a great little seventh, eighth inning guy. He'd be better in the seventh. And it's nice having an older veteran guy there with Kirby Yates. And then you have the young guys around him, Michelle Baez, Andres Munoz. Michelle. My fitness consigliere. Michelle's been having some digestive problems. Uh, so there's gonna be, I think there's going to be plenty of roster spots available. And it's it all depends on what Preller does at the winter meetings, I think. Making trades. I think there's going to be a lot of Preller trades this year. And I think it's going to be a very different-looking club going into 2020. Yeah. I don't think he goes and gets anybody in the Rule 5 trap. Probably not. But I mean, this is one of the years where we do nothing. Remember the – eh, I'm not going to go there. Anyway. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's – I think his focus has needed to shift, and I hope it has shifted from building to reaping, which right. is harvesting, I guess, yep. and supplementing. Integrity. Integrity. <laughs> <laughs> you need to, need to start picking the guys that you want to keep for the long haul and then building around them and then trading all the assets that you don't need uh, for things that are going to help the big club right now. Anyway, we've talked enough about that. One thing I wanted to go over today also before we get out of here was Denelson Lamette. I never heard of half of these guys, and the ones I do know are way past the prime. Most of these guys never had a prime. This guy here is dead. So an article that our friend, shout out to Rupert, follow him at Rupaloop. Is it at Rupaloop? I don't remember Twitter handles. Anyway, follow Rupert. Rupert's funny. From Beyond the Box Score, and you guys should all check it out. It's written by Cheryl Ring. Uh, I think it's also on SB Nation. I think they carry it. Basically asking the question, is Denelson Lamette ready to be included in the ACE discussion? And the article goes on – the title of the article goes as far to say uh, that Lamette is already one of the best pitchers in baseball and better than his teammate Chris Paddock. My, am I disrupting – uh, Wade's private show over there. What are you talking about? Nothing. I don't think it's fair to say Lamette is better than Paddock. No. Yeah. Uh, for a few reasons. One, Lamette's never healthy. Like th- this was a bounce back year from Lamette coming back from Tommy John. He's been hurt a lot in his early, young, early career or whatever. Right. Uh, Paddock was a rookie last year and was awesome and kind of fell off at the second half of the season. But that's because he's been he was worked harder than he's ever been worked before through more innings. Up, picked it up at the end again. True. Yeah, Just and they started kind of a rough middle. They they started really uh kind of tapering off his pitches per inning and his pitches per game. I never understood why pitch count during a game was such a big deal and then over the course of a season innings are a big deal. If I'm throwing 100 pitches in 5 innings and you're throwing 100 pitches in 8 innings, and my innings are way lower than yours at the end of the season. It's yeah. not like I had an easier stay consistent. It's not like I like saved my arm because I threw less innings than you. We threw the same number of pitches. If anything, right. I worked harder yeah. because I threw more pitches per outing. That's always bugged me about MLB stat. Why don't we count pitches for the season and pitches per inning? Why isn't that a stat? Yeah. Well, let's look into that. Baseball Savant probably has it. But Paddock was a rookie, and Lamette is already 27 years old. So really, I didn't realize he was that old. Twenty-seven, yeah, sneaky old. He's been around forever. 
So kind of hard to compare the two. The crux of this article was getting at Lamette's, uh, the success Lamette has had. So what our girl Cheryl did was compare a couple guys who were similar last year to the career numbers of Lamette. And Lamette's career numbers are limited, as you might guess, because he's he had Tommy John a couple years ago and missed all of last season or all, all of two seasons ago. And then not having read this article, I'm just going to guess here. They're probably pretty good, aren't they? Upset, yes. So he's pitched 187 and a third innings for his career. We're comparing him to Aaron Nola and Max Scherzer, whose numbers from last year, Nola pitched 202 innings. Scherzer was 172 innings. Kind of low for Scherzer there. But the K percentage, so strikeout percentage, Max Scherzer 35%, Aaron Nola 27%, Lamette 33.5%. So that's a tremendous strikeout percentage. Yeah. Walk percentage, Aaron Nola 9.4, Scherzer 4.8, Lamette 9.6. So the higher end of the walk percentage. You kind of do, you don't you don't want to be around 10%. 10% yeah. is not a good walk percentage. Ground ball percentage, he has the lowest of the three, 36%. Infield fly ball percentage, he has the highest of the three, which is great. You love infield flies. It's a, like, basically as guaranteed an out as you can get unless you're Eric Hosmer. Houston reference. Except for Nana Tati's run over to first. <laughs> I would love that. Uh, 47th in four-seam fastball spin rate among pitchers <clears throat> who threw – you want to cough at a Sorry. time that I'm not Sorry. fucking – Jesus. Sorry. I can't edit around that. 47th in, fa- in four-seam fastball spin rate among pitchers who threw 1,000 pitches in 2019. So that's in the same range as like Trevor Bauer, Madison Bumgarner, which – Trevor Bauer's tweet the other day was hilarious. Which one? The one about the Astros with the the background music, the Twilight Zone music. Of, oh, yeah, where he left a hanging curveball yeah. and someone crushed it. Right. And then he did like the thinking face emoji over himself with right. the, the Twilight. Love, yeah, it was pretty funny. Love Trevor Bauer on Twitter. He's funny, but also probably clinically insane. I think he needs to be on some medication. Pitchers need to be insane. Especially him, though. He's up there but like yeah all, all that matter the the line between crazy and eccentric is are you good or not at what you do yeah. and right now he's kind of crazy because he's really good but he's not max scherzer yet anyway uh his the spin rate on his curveball is kind of I, I i don't like this these spin rate comparisons and cherry picking numbers because the top spin rate for fastballs so like we're we're saying he's in the Trevor Bauer, Madison Bumgarner range, super. But the top spin rates for fastballs were Jose Leclerc and Mike Miner. Who? Yeah. <laughs> the top spin rates for curveball, Seth Lugo and Chris Stratton. The top spin rates for the slider, Trent Thornton and Miguel Castro. Chris Stratton also really high. So Chris Stratton's kind of showing up a lot. I've my, heard of none of those. My point is spin rate's really good and even a great measurement tool to kind of decide like deeper, like who's – Who's underperforming maybe? Who could we get more out of on these pitches and whose pitches are being underutilized? He throws his fastball like 50% of the time. He's not underutilizing his fastball. The problem with his fastball was third time through the order, like many pitchers, the – what is it? The Spin rate goes down? No, the percentage of swings and misses goes way down. Yeah, and that's not an uncommon problem among pitchers and that's – Team, advanced scouts figure this, not even advanced scouts, regular scouts, 
Wade scouts can figure this out where third time through the order, the guy is kind of getting crushed. Even Solly could figure that out. Yeah. So my whole point is it's a, it's a really nice measurement tool, but it's not everything. And cherry picking stats and names to compare him to other pitchers is can be really flawed. Um, the same thing we, I mean, we're seeing this cherry picking stats with Lamar Jackson. He's won more games than Patrick Mahomes in his first 16 starts. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo has won more games than Tom Brady in his first 16 starts. So like, what does that really mean? They Not, have good defenses. Yeah. My point is like, you can cherry pick stats all you want, but saying his spin rate was better than Max Scherzer. Well, it was also worse than Jose Leclerc, or lower than Jose Leclerc. So what does that, that doesn't mean anything to me. It's like that high school kid in basketball that only came in for like one, three on the year and he hit it just claims like, 100% field goal percentage. That's kind of what you did from high school, right? It's false fake news. <laughs> um, oh, here's the number I was looking for. The isolated power numbers, not the, the swings and misses. The isolated power numbers, third time through the order on his fastball, skyrocket. So anyway, this is the big separator for Lamette is that his numbers go way down third time through the order. So that's kind of why he hasn't reached that next level yet. And sure. He's had moments. Like I remember last year he struck out 16 brewers in like six innings. Do you remember that game yeah. in Milwaukee? Yeah. He's a stud. I love his fastball, which he uses a ton is a great pitch. His slider or his two sliders or whatever you want to call them are both really good pitches. He's, he's starting to mix in a curveball. He's starting to mix in a changeup, which is shown to be a really plus pitch for him when he uses it. Um, I don't know if that's a Ballsley thing or not. I don't know what what's yeah. What's Rothschild gonna do with Roths? Is it Roth's child or Rothschild? I think it's Roth's child. It's a lot of saliva. In that it's game. <laughs> I know it's it's really hard to say. I miss Ballsley already. Uh, but the point I'm making is uh, is that going to be a change that we see from him going forward? More changeups, uh, or are we just going to see him pound the zone with his? fastball slider because during the first, what is it? Two thirds of the season, he was throwing his forcing fastball like 55, 57% of the time. And the sinker, not very often the slider, like 42% of the time and the changeup hardly any earlier in the season, he was using the changeup a little bit more and then he got away from it towards the end of the season. So in my mind, uh, he started throwing the sinker again um, late in the season too. So by the end of the season, he was a three pitch pitcher, basically the four seam fastball 33% of the time, the slider 44% of the time and the sinker 21, 22% of the time. And that's kind of a trend we've seen some, from some other pitchers who have had success recently. I'm thinking Patrick Corbin who throws his slider as like his primary pitch. He throws it more often than his fastball. And that's what we saw from Lamette at the end of last season and Corbin little trouble with his command. We saw in the, in the world series, he's kind of had those issues up and down throughout his career, but also good ERA numbers, good fit numbers, really high strikeout numbers. And we see the same thing from Lamette. Is Lamette going to be a three pitch pitcher going forward, fastball slider sinker with like a show me change up once in a while that I don't know what that really does. He threw it less than 1% of the time in his last outing. I don't know what we're going to see from his arsenal moving forward. But if he's a two-pitch pitcher, or if he's you know a three-pitch pitcher, I guess, who walks 10% of the guys he faces and can't get through a batting order three times, does that 
I, I like Lamette. That's not an ace. No, but that doesn't sound like an ace to you, does it? Because no. aces go through the order three times and they pitch deep into games and they don't walk people. Right. So I like Lamette a lot is like a, a number two, a number three guy in the rotation. Love him as that. But I think this article and I, Hey, go get him in fantasy next year because he's probably gonna be really cheap. Maybe probably a free agent in fantasy. If you do uh, a draft or in dynasty leagues, go, f- go fucking get him for nothing. I think he's got like Luis Castillo type potential on the Reds where he's basically a two pitch pitcher, fastball changeup, three and slider. And like, he's a big strikeout guy and he does really well, but I don't see that player becoming an ace unless some other things are added to his repertoire. And yeah. if he can pitch deeper in and the game, the key with him availability is your best ability. Can he stay healthy for a full right. season? This is the season where you're no longer coming back, back from Tommy John. And it's supposed to be, kind of like just turn him loose. Like he was on a pitch count all of last year. He's built his innings back up. He's got another full off season to kind of get ready spring training. He's in the rotation and he can probably pitch 150 innings this year. Uh, Sink or slam. I think he pitched about 80 innings at the pot in the, with the Padres last year. Um, that doesn't count any of his rehab or anything. So could he go up to 120, 130 innings? I think definitely before we get out of here, it's time to lose some money with our locks of the week. Target locked. I got us back on track last week, though, with a, a big win picking the Raiders, covering against the Chargers. I think they were plus one at the time or minus one, whatever it was. How funny was that Chargers collapse? So Chargers. Loved it. We're very anti-Chargers on the show, if you couldn't tell. But I had a very good week. I went four and one. I think you went four and one on your picks, too, right? I did. So we're hot. Who do you like this week? I like the Arizona Cardinals. That's a weird call. 11 and a half against the Niners. It doesn't. Okay. Yeah. They're on the road and it doesn't worry you that they just played the Niners super hard. And now the Niners are ready for them. No. Like two weeks ago they played. No. Doesn't worry you. Short week for the Niners coming off an extended Monday night game. Yeah. Okay. There's some logic there. 11 and a half points is a shit ton. It's a lot of points in the NFL. College, it's not, it's not a lot. But NFL 11 and a half is a huge number. And I'm pretty shocked that the number is so big uh, with the card, considering how they just played the Niners. But it doesn't worry you at all that they're going to the road. They're, are they kind of hot, right? I don't know. D- David Johnson's hurt. Do you, you don't care about any of that, I guess? No. Okay. I like the New England Patriots. Shocker. Uh, I've won a lot of money on the Patriots this year. Okay. They're coming off. They're embarrassing loss at home to Baltimore. They're laying four points on the road at Philly. I think that that Philly, first of all, Philly's not any good. I don't, not confident in Philly at all. But the defense coming off this bye week with Bill Belichick off a of bye week. Are you kidding me? And they're playing Philadelphia, which is not far for them. They're on. It's like a bus, two hour bus ride or whatever it's going to be. I'm thinking a huge Patriots win here. I'm thinking double digits. I think you should buy some points. If you can, which I'm probably going to do. Going to do a little teaser this weekend? No, I'm not going to tease the Patriots. <laughs> I, lo- I think I lost both my teasers last week. <clears throat> I don't think I've ever won a teaser. They seem so tempting, and then they never hit for some reason. Never won a teaser. Uh, but I would buy New England points, which I'm definitely going to do. And if you're not going to, just take or just lay the four at Philly. I think that's an easy, easy lock of the week. We're going to pick them in Super, by the way. Have to. Debatable. After your Browns were 
don't know what you're talking about. Thank you for listening. As always, please follow the show's Twitter account at Friar Farmhands. And if you enjoy the show, subscribe, leave a comment, tell us how much you liked it. Troll us on Twitter. I don't really care. We're on all your favorite platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Please leave your comments, questions, concerns, shit-talking, and your rating of the show on all platforms. Mostly shit-talking, probably. I, I someone, Who left a, shit, uh, a terrible review on – was it iTunes or Spotify? There's reviews. There, there was a review. Uh, Lauren was telling us that we got a, a bad review. Someone listened to our show and was like, these guys – it was for such a dumb reason too. Like we proposed like a fictional – signing free agent signing the guy's like ah it's trash signing this is a terrible show don't listen uh anyway we'll appreciate any of those so leave those if you want you've been listening to believe in pottery's prospects on the believe podcast network san diego's number one sports podcast network for wade i'm ryan peace suit i'm done where is this podcast the moment they seriously considered trading for a 30 year old charlie black <laughs> and eating the entire contract there are a million more informed pottery podcasts <laughs> please done do you know <laughs> Waste your time like I did. It's done. Just move on toward your destination. Though you may find from time to time. Um, Maybe you go to your grandparents for Thanksgiving and reset their router and they think you're God. Oh, yeah. It's like our Wi-Fi has been out for three weeks. Like <laughs> When I was uh, living abroad, my parents would call me and be like, hey, the TV is not working. Like, what can we do? <laughs> And I could I could tell them through Skype how to fix the TV on the remote, with a remote. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer.